Hello and welcome everyone to episode 17 of the Pilot's Wife podcast. I'm Amy McLaren and today's episode is going to be about an old married couple's guide to dating by an old married couple. I think that we qualify for an old married couple because coming up next uh, next month, Josh and I are going to be married 14 years and we have two lovely children one who's just turned five and the other who's just turned three. So I think we can qualify for old married couple status now. And as for being qualified to provide a guide on dating as an old married couple, well, we've been trying some stuff this year and experimenting with a little bit of advice that people have given us. So I think that we're qualified to report on how we've gone and how we're going to continue doing it. In order for me to really get through my point about dating as an old married couple, I'm going to just take you through a bit of context first, and then you'll understand my conclusion a whole lot better once I've been through that. So here's the question. For those of us who don't have a picture-perfect relationship, who don't put our highlights reel on social media and pretend it's all rosy, where can I get some down-to-earth inspiration without any religious barriers? Who can give me real-life encouragement, help me be a better spouse, and tell me how to get an even more enriching relationship without becoming a doormat. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Amy McLaren, and this is the Pilot's Wife Podcast. When we first started talking about commitment, Josh and I both agreed that one thing in particular was really important to both of us. We saw so many marriages around us fall apart and it seemed so easy for them to just give up. And some of them were our age and had been best friends and they had so much potential, but they just let their disagreements take center stage and and that was what was, you know, what they focused on. So we agreed that when we got married, divorce was not going to be an option. We both agreed never to use a D word as a threat to the other person that whatever it was, we were going to work on it. That pre-frame has been extremely powerful in our relationship. In life, there are so many other examples and scenarios other than in our marriage where I've had disagreements with other people. Thinking back to how much fighting occurred in our household between siblings, like I have a bro- an older brother and an older sister, growing up, we did awful things to each other. I had lots of awful things done to me. I was the youngest. Uh, we all got very upset at various times. Sometimes maybe one of us didn't talk to another one of us. My sister and brother used to physically fight with each other, but we always got through it. And even in adulthood, we've had serious disagreements, trust me, but we're we're still we're still communicating and we've still got a great relationship. So we've had hugely different points of view. And But how many people have you heard of who got so fed up with their sibling, they'll say, that's it, I'm no longer going to be your brother or your sister. I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't heard of that before. It, it sounds Maybe it sounds a bit ludicrous, but people don't generally say, right, I'm no longer your sister. I'm going to go through a legal process to remove myself from the family right because I don't know we're family we're bonded together in a way that can never be undone and so we stick together through it all even if we hold on to grudges there's always the potential for the stubborn attitude to give way to a softer one and when that happens when sorrows are said and forgiveness is offered the bond is still there and it carries on because we're born into it it's just something that cannot be removed I mean, I've, and it's not just about sibling relationships. I've had disagreements with people at work. I've had plenty of disagreements with people at work. It's not that I'm picking fights, but 
my work as an agent of change is not always welcomed by certain people who like the status quo. And so in pretty much every one of those scenarios where I've had disagreements with people at work, I've been the one to just single-handedly achieve a turnaround in the relationship without having to wait for the other person to, like, you know, grow up and show some maturity type thing. I mean, not that I'm saying that people are being immature in the sense that they're holding a grunge against me because I totally understand what happens when somebody's coming along and trying to make changes to their work process and stuff. So I understand why this happens. But it, I'm just saying that when it comes to working with people, I, I want to emphasise that it does only take one person to turn a relationship around and not just working with people at work, but when it comes to relating with people, right? So be encouraged by that. It only takes one person to turn a relationship around. So I've had plenty of occasions where I've said sorry while not being a doormat. So if you haven't listened to episode three, which is about saying sorry like a boss, I encourage you to go listen to that. So saying sorry but not being a doormat and and having that skill and that knack to be able to do that has been really beneficial for me. So like, I don't even know if the other person thinks that they got an advantage over me because I'm the one that said sorry and and they didn't. But I don't care because for me, I got a big advantage. I was trying to implement change with people um, who were angry with me, which is impossible, right? So they just sabotage all the efforts. So it's important for me and my and, and it was in my, in my job to repair those relationships so that I could still do a great job. And I've run a business with a business partner. She was a really good, is a really good friend too. And I always used to joke that being in a business partnership is just like being married. And it is, like there's a lot of things that you have to communicate about. And before we made the agreement to go into business together, I just laid out my commitment to our friendship first. I was like, the money's never going to take priority over our friendship. And it's always going to be more important that we're friends at the end of this, you know, when it finishes. And we did have some tough things to go through, but in the end, we managed to sell the business, not for very much, but our friendship was intact. It wasn't negatively affected by any of this long term, and it's still strong. And the theme here is that the decision came first in all of these scenarios, that the relationship was always the most important. I mean, even in the um, in the sibling kind of nuclear family dynamics that I've got in my family, I've had to make decisions like, I'm not going to let this take like take precedence it's always going to be more important for me that I have a good relationship with my family because I want to enjoy those family times when we all have family occasions and we get together so it's always been more important than being right Um, in marriage one of the contentions is always that you feel like you're right and they're wrong and having a good relationship has always been more important than that it's always more important than trying to avoid being hurt in future because and and you know in marriage there is always a risk that you're going to get hurt by your spouse again and it's always been more important than doing the way doing things the way I thought they should be done like at work you know trying to implement some change in a way I thought was going to work and it didn't always necessarily work like that because ultimately the good relationship was was the thing that made the project successful in the long term The good relationship between Josh and I was going to make our our marriage successful in the long term, our finances successful in the long term, our intimacy successful in the long term, our children's mental health successful in the long term. And the good relationship between my friend and I made the business uh, successful in the long term in the sense that we were able to sell it rather than just let it fall apart and for everything to just be completely lost. If if our relationship had gone and had fallen apart, then that's what would have happened to the business as well. So the good relationships with my siblings in the long term have enabled our kids to enjoy each other's company. Uh, Christmas time is, is not 
a big source of tension anymore. There's, you know, it's a time for celebration and companionship. And who knows what else it will enable and open up for our kids when, when they grow older and they have a good relationship and, and a good past with their family. So in this episode, I wanted to really emphasize the alignment or similarity between the long-term sibling relationship in particular and the marriage relationship. With work relationships and business partners, it's not the same because the level of relating ends when the job changes or the business closes or is sold. But with the sibling relationship, I mean, I know not all nuclear families have had healthy upbringings, and I know there are always exceptions, but in general, we're born into a family, and that's our family, and we're family until we die. And we go through hardships together, and we argue and fight, but we always stick around no matter what, because we're family. And even if we don't stick around, there's always the potential to re to you know, to get back into that feeling of family, to re enjoy that 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 easy, uh, I guess, familiarity we have with each other if we go through sorrows and, and forgiveness and that sort of thing. So so when we make the effort to repair, not just tolerate our relationship, it's amazing. You know, when we do social events with family we get along with, you can't beat it. It's such a wonderful environment. Everyone knows and accepts each other despite their faults. There's food, there's kids playing, there's good times, drinks together, reliving memories. It's just it's just nice and you can't you can't replicate that with people you don't know very well. When we get married, we're choosing the only person, this is the only chance we get to choose a family member for ourselves. And that act of marriage is to make a commitment to join each other's families in an unbreakable bond. That's the purpose of it. That's the point. That's why we say, till death do us part. Our siblings and our parents don't even get to choose our husband or wife. Although sometimes they try to have an influence. Sometimes they try very hard to have an influence. But we get to choose. We're so lucky to have that choice. And we're going to have arguments. We're going to fight. But if we make the effort to stick the course, yes, we'll probably get hurt by each other, but if we eventually get past it and start connecting again, you just cannot beat that closeness and intimacy with a person you've jointly invested so much in. Every time a person breaks a marriage and then tries again, that potential for a great intimacy, comfortableness, ease around each other, the peace, that knowledge and understanding of each other that, that creates that harmony, harmony sorry, that potential's diluted. It'll never be as strong as if you'd started it that many more years ago with the next person that you've kind of, you know that you've tried to have another relationship with, if you'd started that relationship right from the start, you're going to have that much more capacity for intimacy and closeness. It takes years, like decades, to form it. And other estranged family ties can erode it. Like, you know, if if you've got an ex, and there's always a part of you that your new partner's just never going to be a part of. It's always going to be something they never share with you. And so that potential for intimacy, that real closeness, it gets eroded. So just picture some of your family events, you know, with people that you've gone through life with and that you have a good relationship with. I hope that you do have a good relationship with some of your family. About a week ago, my brother and his wife and kids were visiting up from Queenstown. They moved there a few years ago, and they came up to Auckland to see us. So that was my husband and his wife and their two kids. And uh, so my my sister had us over to her house with her husband and kids, and there was me and Josh and our kids, and my mum and dad came too. And it was nice. We all gathered together and just had this, had a meal together. They've got a spa, and so we all jumped in the spa, and then we had a drink together, we had lunch. The kids all were off playing, and we were just having a chat, and it was a really, really nice time. 
these special moments with people we've done life with are the real treasures when we've made efforts to heal rifts and offer forgiveness and that sort of thing and basically just move past stuff and we were able to go through hard times you know their support is unmatchable if you've got close family members when you're going through something hard when you're going through loss it's just you, you can't beat it and similarly we develop intense closeness with our spouse you know while dating we spend a lot of time with them then married life kids over time we go through things and we build an intimacy that that can't be replaced and I just want to encourage you never to take this closeness for granted so what does taking for granted really mean like if you really think about it I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase drink water from your own well what it means is drink water from a place where you know where it came from it also means that if you are always getting your water from that place you can tell if it starts to run out or have a funny taste so you can end up maintaining it and keeping it healthy and working properly. If we're off drinking from another's well and not our own and others are drinking from ours, we may come home one day and find it empty or polluted. And what this parable is hinting at is we all have needs and whilst we can't and should not expect our spouse to meet all of them for us, there are key ones that our spouse will and should meet for us and they're the long-term ones. I did a podcast, I think it was the seventh one about problem solving and talking about how it brings unity. When a couple is in agreement, they are unstoppable. Their relationship is strong. And how you want to maintain a unity with your, with your spouse. And how do you maintain that unity? We've naturally got occasions on which to base gatherings with family that bring us close, like Christmas, birthdays. These things always come up. And there's kind of this understood, not maybe every time, but there's, there's reasons to come together and say, let's celebrate this together. And family reunions, that kind of thing. But these are kind of regular or they're, they're almost prearranged. It's kind of like they, by nature, create the impetus to develop a gathering and have family together. But as a couple who've invested in each other, you know, but gone through pain and hurt, they have fights, how do you maintain unity as a couple? Because you equally need to plan for relaxed times together, sharing each other's company and doing things together you enjoy that aren't chores. So, yes, I'm talking about dating now. So... The whole point of this this kind of background that I've given is that dating is really about having times of sharing closeness that aren't to do with the day-to-day -day life because when we're married, you're living together. All of your life is about day-to-day -day life. And so it's really, really important to just take some time and put it aside as a social gathering. And the family events, they can, they can happen more easily because we've got birthday occasions, we've got Christmas and, and stuff like that. But dates... They really have to be booked in. They have to be planned in advance. They have to be consciously thought of. So someone told us that what they do at the beginning of each year is they book in holidays and special occasions in advance, like they put them in their calendar. They they sit down sort of like at Christmas time and they go, okay, what do we want to do next year together? And they block those out and then they book those holidays with, you know, with work or whatever. They might even book accommodation if they need to. And they just have it in the calendar and it's set. And so we've, in fact, we didn't just hear about this last year. We heard about it a couple of years ago, maybe a few years ago. And we've struggled to put that in place, especially uh, having the young children and building a house and not really having spare cash and things like that. But anyway, we've all got excuses, right? So at the start of this year, Josh and I decided that we were going to set date nights in our calendar. And so we worked out, okay, well, what can we achieve with the resources we've got in terms of babysitting? And we thought, well, we could probably get 
either of our kind of mums to babysit, maybe we could ask them maybe three or four times in a year for it to not be, you know, overly, you know, kind of over asking. I mean, and this is this is just our family, you know, we worked out that it's probably going to be acceptable in our family, but of course it can be different for, for anyone else's, right? So so seven every seven weeks, that means that we would get seven dates in the year and like for us, that was more than what we'd been doing. So we, that's a good start. So we booked in, uh, I guess, every seven weeks into our calendar and then we told our parents about every 14th week what that date was-ish <laughs> and that we were hoping that they might babysit for us. And, you know, if they couldn't, then we would just know and we would save up for a babysitter if we had to. So we've had some good dates so far this year. But because we've been planning them a bit more regularly, it means that I've been, particularly I've been trying to be a bit more creative. So, you know, like we very much enjoy going to a movie and having dinner, or having dinner and going into a movie. But you can't just do that every time when you're having seven a year, I think. I think you have to put in a bit of variety. So I thought I'd share some of the ideas I've come across. Then some of them we've already done, but some of them I'd be very keen to try still. And I'm... I kind of encourage you to keep in mind that you have to think about what you both would enjoy. Like, if you want them to be excited about the date, don't just go, hey, let's do this thing that you're really interested in, and they're like, oh, you know, great. Or even if you surprise them, then the next time you're going to organise the date, they might not be so keen. So make sure that you think about what they're interested in as well, of course. I mean, I'm sure that that is logical for most of you, but I just wanted to say so. Okay, so here are some cool ideas. And there are ideas for different, you know, all kinds of budgets in here too. Take a workout class together. That could be cool, doing exercise together. Filling your bucket list. Like as in, if you've got a bucket list already, ticking off some of those things. One other one is creating a bucket list if you don't have a bucket list already. And that's that's something you can do really, really cheaply, obviously, with, you know, sit down with a glass of wine and a piece of paper. Another idea is maybe being a bit like a kid. And maybe you could go to a kid's amusement park or a, a place where you can jump on trampolines together, something like that. Josh and I, a long time ago, went to a kid's playground and just hung out playing on the swings and stuff. Going bowling. Josh and I have done that a few times, and initially it didn't go so well because he was trying to teach me how to improve my uh, technique, and I didn't take it very well. I'm like, stop trying to tell me how to do it. And he was like, why? I just want to help you get better. <laughs> he was so confused why I was getting angry. I don't even really know why I was getting angry. But I think we've improved since then. Not that we've done bowling for a while. Maybe we should do that on one of our dates soon. Another cool idea is pampering yourselves, going for a massage, getting a massage together. You know, like you can get, you can go places where they've got two, uh, like massage tables in the same room. That's cool. Go karts. Josh and I tried to go go kart racing on our first date actually, but it was full. We didn't make a booking. We just turned up and they wouldn't. They didn't have room for us. But we did it another time, so we were a bit more organised, and it was good fun. Some of these I'm remembering from a long time ago as well, so, you know, when we were first dating and stuff. So I'm kind of cheating here a little bit, but I have, I'm trying to come up with some ones we haven't done before to be really, really creative. And, you know, we're doing some that we have done before just to go down memory lane and stuff too. Get up early and watching the sunrise. Now, that could be a cool one, depending on if you're spouse is an early riser or not you know like let's say they are and you're not then getting up early to watch the sunrise could be pretty special have a backyard picnic something we used to do when it was really really cold outside was we put a uh, like found a youtube video of a fireplace 
and this is when we didn't have a fireplace and we'd just play that video and then lay out a picnic blanket on the floor and have a picnic in front of the fire. Now this is a cool one I want to try, a power outage date night, so like pretending that all the power's gone out. So light some candles, maybe play some board games or some card games or something like that. Oh, one time we went to a $2 shop and we both bought little uh, dart gun things, like they've got these foam bullets in them, and we just shot each other with them. It was so much fun. Going to a gun range can be cool, especially if you like James Bond, because you can, you can practice shooting with a revolver and really feel like James Bond. We did that once and I tried to post on Facebook, hey, we're having a date at the gun range, but it wouldn't let me post the, the post, I think, because it had the word gun in it, so just be aware of that. Climbing up to the top of a mountain, I'd love to do that. But it has to be in the daytime, so that's a little bit tricky if we're doing date nights at night. I have to figure out how to do that one. Obviously, it would mean having the kids at our parents for the day, which couldn't be too hard. It wouldn't be too hard. I would love to do this one. Go to the airport and get a ticket for the cheapest place you could fly to that day and just get on the plane. I would love to do that. Maybe when the kids are a bit older. Have you ever tried going on to Google Earth and having a look at places? I, we've done that before, and that can be really fun. Like you can, If you do that for a half an hour or so, you kind of almost feel like you've been to these places. It's quite a cool way to travel, but for free. And something we really love doing is going for walks in the bush. But we also love doing that with the kids, so we do kind of save that one for family days. And one last one, which is really, really cool, is paying attention to what local plays are on at you know, local theatre and stuff, because some of them can be quite good. Some of them, like if you've only got one character doing the whole play, I kind of find those hard to watch, because I'm used to movies with lots of characters, and that's only why, you know, but some people might really like that. So, like, there's so many different genres that are on at these at these little theatres and it's worth looking into them and kind of keeping a tab on what's on and uh, booking a date for when there's something you see that looks really cool like I think we've done that where you know we, we watched for kind of I don't know six months or a year and then it was like oh yes there's one on there that we'd really like to see and then we booked and it was so much fun going to a local place and just the local you know the local vibe it's really cool so there's some ideas for some dates we're definitely going to try some of those I hope I've inspired you to also try some of those. And remember, the point of going on dates, apart from having fun, is that it's a really good way to maintain unity and to get away from the day-to-day life of the chores and the stuff that can get that can cause rifts and cause disagreements and just have fun together and enjoy the time together because what you're doing is you're maintaining a relationship for life. And when you maintain it for life and it's a good, healthy relationship, it is that you cannot beat the intimacy that comes from it. You cannot beat that feeling of peace and love and understanding and knowledge of each other. It just, you just can't get that unless you're investing a long, in a long-term relationship. So I hope that's encouraged you. And if you do go on any of these dates or if you have any other right any other date ideas please do let me know write them in the comments get in touch with me I'd love to hear them and I will read through all the comments have an awesome week plan a date book it into the diary I'll catch you next week